Welcome to the HDFS Careers Podcast, the podcast featuring informal conversations with family science majors about their professional journeys. My name is Erica Jordan. Today, I'll be sharing my interview with Alex Silverio and Ted Martin. I reached out to Dr. Kathy Walker and Dr. Maureen Blankenmeyer at Kent State University, and they referred me to Alex. Thanks for the recommendation. In speaking to Alex, I realized that her partner, Ted, was also an HDFS major and thought it would be fun to include him in the interview. So we have our first ever double interview episode on the podcast. Alex is currently an academic advisor for the College of Communication and Information at Kent State University. She earned a master's degree in higher education administration and student affairs, a certificate in international education, and a bachelor's degree in human development and family studies with a concentration in family life education from Kent State University. Ted is currently a senior anti-money laundering compliance analyst. He earned a bachelor's degree in human development and family studies with a concentration in child and youth development from Kent State University. Alex and Ted met at Kent State while attending HDFS classes for their major and serving as resident advisors in the campus residence halls. As is true for all interviewees on this podcast, Alex and Ted's views are their own as private citizens and do not reflect the views of their current, former, or future employers. Without further ado, here is their interview. Welcome to the podcast, Alex and Ted. Hello. Hi, thanks for having us. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here and spending some of your, uh, the t- your day off with me. I'm really excited to share your stories with students across the country. I know that they will um, really enjoy hearing about your HDFS journey. How did you first find the field of HDFS? Um, So originally, I actually hadn't heard of HDFS when I started college, and I started as a psychology major. Um, And then like going through some coursework, I decided to switch to HDFS um, because I heard about it and it still met with my goals. Um, cause originally I wanted to be in to be a counselor. Um, so it's going to go into my master's afterwards. Um, and I thought that the HDFS profession had kind of more opportunities for careers, uh, once I graduated. Um, so I made the switch, but yeah, I didn't really know about it until I was in, and I think it was my academic advisor that informed me of the HDFS major. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, it's, I guess, kind of like the same thing. Um, I also, started as a psych major um and I, I mean but I did keep my psych major I didn't like do a switch or anything I just added on the HDFS major as well um but I mean the reason I knew about it and I remember this was kind of odd like I remember I was at the like cafeteria place and like the hub um, at my university and they had like a little pamphlet of it like on like in each individual table but like I guess they were maybe advertising the major or something like that and that's how I heard about it I was like oh what is this and I just started reading about it and I was like huh this looks kind of interesting and it looks very similar to also like what I was already doing with psychology mm-hmm. and so <laughs> I and I, I was I was looking to double major I just didn't know in what and so this was like well this is kind of similar and maybe I won't have to take you know any other additional courses on top of what I've already taken and so it just kind of all fit together so um yeah I think I met uh, I, I don't, I don't, I honestly don't remember if I met with an advisor. I, I must have met with an advisor to sort of, you know, get everything together. Um, yes. But yeah, that's kind of how that started. <laughs> I'm sure universities will have be happy to know that all of that marketing material that they're working on <laughs> actually <laughs> works, and that their advisors also help to refer. Like in the case of you, Ted. Um, so you said you were looking to double major. That's interesting. So what was your motivation, you know, to kind of say, I want to double major, even though I don't even know what the second major will be in? Uh, I think honestly, <laughs> that was more of a push from still when I was in um, high school. I just remember it all like everyone was just like, oh, you know, when you go to college, you have to like major and then have either two minors or like double major. And that was just sort of like the expectation that my high school had for students. And so I, that that was, I think, kind of part of it, because I, I don't think anyone that I actually befriended in college, you know, was having sort of like, yeah, you know, they were kind of thinking about like, yeah, maybe I'll do a minor, maybe not, like, you know, it was whatever. But for me, it was just like, I have to do it. Like, yes, it, wasn't, it, was. it wasn't sort of an, an option. Yeah. So gotcha. Gotcha. That, yeah, makes, that was it. <laughs> that makes total sense. Well, they'll be happy to know that they were successful in pushing you <laughs> to add on additional work. <laughs> But no, it's great that you found a major that really complements, uh, complemented your interest. And 
You're right. I mean, they're both pretty broad fields, but definitely HDFS kind of feels like more of a subset, you know, specialty in terms of psychology within that field. Um, yeah, I think so too. And especially with, with Kent, I don't know if they do this now, but at least when we went to school, we were able to pick also like concentrations within the major. Um, I don't know if I remember my concentration though. <laughs> I think it was family something. Oh my gosh. Dr. Blake Mayer is going to yell at me probably. Not. <laughs> when you graduate, all of this stuff flies out your head. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah, but no, that is true. Like, yeah, you can actually pick specialties within as well. So tell me a little bit about your experience in the major. So, you know, what what did you really enjoy about the courses? I mean, even if there are things that maybe you didn't like as much about the courses, you can feel free to share that as well. But just um, anything that you want to share about your experience taking the classes and um, being within the major? Um, overall, I, and it's been a while since I, I've been at college, so some of it is fuzzy, and I changed career paths quite a bit, so a lot of that knowledge hasn't been used a lot recently, um, but from what I remember, I did like um, the major in the classes and stuff. I, I think I had a much more, more of a focus on, like, the, like, helping aspect. Well, I guess that's the whole point of the major, right? It's to help or help people, um, but... <laughs> Specifically, I was looking for like more information on how to like better like um, kids and adolescents because I wanted to do counseling. Um, so classes that more aligned with that were what interests me a lot. And I, I think it was nice because everyone had, had a really friendly sort of atmosphere to them in the major. Um, but one thing I do remember is that there aren't really many men in the major at all. I, I, I think there were like maybe four of us um, in, in my like graduating class and we all knew each other <laughs> because there were four of us. Um, so it'd be really cool to see, um, the major develop more and maybe get more like men into the field and stuff, because I think, you know, a lot of like helping professionals, um, there aren't as many men, um, which is fine, but I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if, uh, more could come in, but yeah, I, that that was definitely a standout for me. It's like I'm so of, glad you brought that up because yeah, it, and we see this in psychology too. I mean, it is mm -hmm. you know overwhelmingly um, female dominated now, which is it's sort of ironic because it wasn't that way before. Right. It's kind of done right. 180. Um, but yeah, that's so it's it's interesting hearing your experience um, mm -hmm. as as a man in within the field, and I think that a lot of people across the country you know, can nod their head at that because many of the classes, many of uh, the HDFS majors across the country are pretty female dominated. But it sounds like overall, um, you found the content interesting. Yeah, no, it was definitely interesting. And I liked it a lot. Um, yeah. Everyone was really nice to me. And, you know, the content was what I was looking for. So I had a good time. Good. What about you, Alex? Yeah, so for me, I think... I don't know, like, I mean, I just found the classes interesting. I mean, the content, I guess, specifically, um, you know, I, I took classes with, uh, I think you mentioned you, you know, both Dr. Blank Mayer and uh, Dr. Walker. And I mean, both of them were my favorite people, <laughs> you know, in the in the program and everything. Um, and so, I mean, I remember Dr. Blank Mayer, she had a lot of classes that were, because she was the, I guess, kind of like the head of the concentration that I was pursuing, but again, I can't remember what the name of the concentration was. Um, and so I, I just, I remember really enjoying her classes. And I think, I mean, really, honestly, she was kind of the person that pushed me into really kind of wanting to pursue getting a master's degree. <clears throat> which, I mean, maybe we'll get to that in a minute, but, but um, I mean, it, it had been, I, I think she really kind of saw, um, I don't know, like, I mean, a potential or, you know, whatever. And so she was the one that was like, yeah, no, you should definitely pursue this. Like, you would be really good at, um, you know, just kind of getting further with your education and everything. So I am forever thankful for that. Um, so she was super nice about that. Um, and then the other thing that I really enjoyed um, about the classes specifically, maybe it was, I don't know if it was just the one class that Dr. Walker taught, and I, I just, I don't remember the, the name of the classes, unfortunately, but it was kind of almost like a class that was how to, you know, 
be an adult kind of like and put your information like out there you know as far as like resume and just kind of like be a professional in general um because i i don't think that there's a lot of that with other majors really you know like i mean really how to build a resume and how to put yourself out there and like you know just kind of get recognized so i think that class really really helped um with 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 everything and as far as like job seeking and i mean it was it was awesome so i really enjoy that part and then the other thing that i really liked was that at least back then, like when we were um, in school, I think that's that's changed a little bit, was that um, as part of the curriculum, we had to do um, like a practicum or an internship, um, which I mean, I know that that's something that's more like, I, I think a lot of schools are doing that across the board already. But at least when I was in school, which I mean, really wasn't that long ago. <laughs> But like I graduated in 2015 with my undergrad, but I remember with my psychology major, we didn't have to do an internship or a practicum um, as part of our program. And so I don't know, like I feel like I I really had to seek out opportunities myself. And I mean, not that that was, I guess, particularly difficult, but it was just like, I mean, if you didn't have that motivation, then... Uh, you know, it was just like, oh, well, <laughs> good luck. But with the with the program, um, at least with HDFS at Kent, I mean, that was one of the things that we had to do. Like we had to have uh, practicum experience, internship experience. And so I think that kind of also just kind of helped, you know, kind of build our resume and build just ourselves as professionals, which I really kind of really like. <laughs> that, yeah. That yeah, it sounds like you were able to really make some personal connections with the faculty members. And then, you know, yeah. they really had a sense of you and your professional goals and were able to help, you know, push you once they saw that potential and they saw that motivation. And I agree, like any class that is helping to prep students for the workforce, I'm 100% behind it. I have put a lot of energy into our course like that at the University of Houston. And it's the reason I do this podcast as well, just um, because I just don't feel like there's enough information out there, especially related to our major. It can be overwhelming to students to know that they can go um, so many different directions and to know how to pursue them. And it can be overwhelming to faculty, many of whom have not, have not worked as much in, in any other sort of industry. It can be overwhelming to them to like, you know, prepare students. But I feel like we really need to lean into that role. And it sounds like your faculty at Kent State did a really good job. At, um, yeah. taking that challenge on <laughs> yeah, yeah. But can you all tell me a little bit about the internships that you chose um, during your senior year yeah I can go uh, so what I did was I ended up working alongside a school counselor um, and basically I, I would shadow her and like help out with things here and there it was a very different I think internship than a lot of other people had it was kind of like tailored to me in, in a lot of ways um so it was very interesting and I got to see a lot of the aspects of like you know the ins and outs of like what a counselor would do um I guess in a school setting um in their career which was I, I think a really good thing for me uh because I especially since I was so like dedicated into going into the counseling field, it was nice to be able to see that before I started my master's because typically with counseling, you don't really get to see that sort of stuff until you're in your master's um, since you need like the license and, and whatever else to actually do counseling. Um, so getting that kind of like early access in a way to seeing what that field was like was really good. And I, I did enjoy the internship a lot. I think it helped me develop as a person um, and just like, broadened my view on the whole field um, but yeah I definitely had a very good time and I think it was really good to be able to put that on my resume as like an experience I had had um, because I, I mean like Alex was saying I mean you don't have to do internships and in maybe other fields um, but and I guess this was a practicum more specifically mm -hmm. um, but just having that extra leg up was definitely I think a good thing for me overall and just helped. Yeah. But you also weren't just shadowing, though. Like, you were also doing stuff with the kids that I thought maybe. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't together. just shadowing. There were some things I was doing. I helped a lot with um, basically, they had like a few classes for students that had like behavioral issues and things like that. And I worked with those students a lot. Um, so, um, At, but, um, the shadowing, as you said, just seeing um, behind the scenes and getting that access. 
you always end up learning something from it. And then if you were working with children who had any sort of behavioral challenges, um, that definitely is uh, mm -hmm. an experience in which you're learning a lot of, <laughs> a lot of mm -hmm. uh, patience and working with people and managing difficult situations. Uh, so that pretty much helps in any field that you're working with people at all. Um, mm -hmm. So um, what about you, Alex? What about your experience with internship or practicum? Yeah, so I worked with a nonprofit organization um, and what they did, it was um, a lot of stuff that they did with families uh, that were kind of like in the northern part of um, Akron, because that's where they were located, uh, like Akron, Ohio. So that's where we are kind of in, the, in that area. <laughs> so um, and they did a lot of um like you know getting stuff over to like donate um to like families um uh, especially like families with that had younger children they did uh parenting classes um as well um for for families they did um work with what was it like um they did pregnancy testing for <laughs> for, for, for for some reason as well um and also, I'm trying to remember also what what else they like we we were working on with with the families and everything. But but the parenting classes were well, was one of the things that kind of like stuck out to me mm -hmm. um, because when I mean, we we were basically like in charge of um, teaching those, which was scary because I was like I'm not a parent, so I don't know how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so that was an experience uh, on its own. Uh, but I do remember that we also worked a lot with um, immigrant families because in that northern part of the city, there is a lot of uh, like refugees, immigrants that live there. And that I enjoyed um, quite a bit um, just because I, I, I guess I was actually born in Mexico myself and I didn't come to the U.S. until I was 13. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like I don't know, it's just kind of easy to make those kind of connections with. Mm -hmm other immigrants and people that have moved um, to the U.S. And so that I enjoyed a lot. And I mean, that's something that I've all, like uh, throughout my career, I guess I've sort of sought. So with the parenting classes, I mean, you touched on something that I think a lot of students find themselves in this situation, right? I definitely found myself in this situation. Um, yeah. Sometimes it would be really funny. But anyway, uh, so how did you cope with um, you know, the fact that you are not a parent and it can be intimidating walking into a group of parents and you're supposed to be leading a parenting class. Well, how did you, how did you deal with that as a student? Yeah, well, I guess with the situation that I was in, I wasn't the only intern or, you know, person that was in there that was also from Kent or like, I mean, I think there were four of us total, three of us were from Kent, another person was um, in another institution, like they were studying in another institution, but it was also HDFS. So I think we just kind of leaned into each other for support and that, uh, I mean, again, n none of us were parents at the time or anything like that. I mean, literally we were just <laughs> all senior students, you know, trying to, um, again, just kind of help out these parents and and leading with these classes, but I think it was just kind of nice to have that support. I mean, and then like our supervisors, you know, they were also really kind, I think, and, you know, just sort of, they knew how to train us, I guess, in the right way so that, you know, we wouldn't be, again, as intimidated. I mean, I was always like, I think a little scared <laughs> because I'm just like, what am I doing? Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think that it was mostly the having that support with the other students that I was working with um, and, you know, just kind of being there for each other. Uh, I am a parent now, but I'm always still a little nervous when I go to lead one of those workshops because I've been in enough, I've led enough of them. So I know sometimes I can't predict what is going to happen or what somebody's going to say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, It never really truly goes away. Did you all do anything else during college? Like, were you involved in any organizations on campus or off campus? Did you have to work during college? Tell me a little bit more about your college experience. Yeah, so I was actually, and this is, well, I don't know. I mean, we met through the major, but also uh, we were both um, RAs. Um. No, yeah, so we met like through our work as RAs, but like we were also in a lot of the same classes together. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. um, so, you know, because of those two things, we spent a lot of time together and got to know each other that way. Gotcha. Uh, 
right yeah yeah but we, yeah but we were both like RAs and so I think that that was just another connection that we had <laughs> yeah so that was your part-time job um during yes. school okay and anything else like you were doing during your college years your um I, I was involved with doing some work for the psychology department um and I remember I was working under a professor but I was also helping out some graduate students um, they were doing some work, um, like a research involved. project. Y'all were working yeah, on research yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. It was it was a research project um, yeah. of sorts that I was involved with. So that was also kind of taking a little bit of time. So I think those two things plus school, yeah, were kind of the the main things. What about you, Ted? Any other organizations or anything like uh, outside of your RA and classes? Right. So I didn't have like any like extracurriculars or clubs or anything I was involved in. Um, after I finished my, so I was an RA for two years, um, my sophomore year and my junior year of college. And then senior year, we moved into like apartments because I only had to do one semester my senior year. Um, so I actually got out a semester early. Um, and that year, what I ended up doing is I was working for Child Guidance and Family Solutions. And I was uh, just a medical records clerk. So sort of like a secretary sort of position. Um, but I mean, it's, it, it gave me the opportunity to talk with a lot of the counselors as well uh, and get to know them. So that was good for me. Mm-hmm. So since we were going to transition into that anyway, how did you go about pursuing that job or finding that job after graduation? Yeah, so I think if I'm remembering correctly, what happened was, so I mentioned before that the practicum I did um, for school essentially that was facilitated through the organization child guidance and family solutions um and they were the ones that kind of like set me with a counselor to shadow um because the school counselor officially i think worked for child guidance and family solutions she was just stationed in the school um but from there and and i think when i was applying for practicums i was again focusing on like trying to find something with uh Uh, counseling and we had I want to say there was like a fair of sorts where we met people that have gone through the program before and talked about things they did Um, and someone recommended child guidance and family solutions to me as a company I might be interested in talking to so I reached out to them and they kind of like gave me that practicum opportunity and from there I, I learned of some of their like postings they had for jobs so I picked up the medical records job um later on as just a way to make money um that's how i I kind of got into all of that um so originally just searching for an internship and working with them um you know kind of gave me the connections to get a job with them that's only makes sense and Um, like yeah we hear all the time you know practicum or internship can kind of open the door towards um a a mm full-time position so it sounds like you did a good job you had a I mean, you establish yourself as um, a, a strong mm-hmm. a contributor during that practicum experience. And so that really led you to have an opportunity later with the company. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Okay, so Alex, what about you? So as you're approaching graduation, what do you think you're going to do after graduation? And then what do you actually end up doing after graduation? Because sometimes that doesn't always match. <laughs> yeah, so... I mean, I think Ted and I were really kind of following the same kind of path and journey as far as what we thought we were going to be doing. Um, so I I knew that I wanted to pursue, uh, you know, higher education and just kind of like get my master's degree. Um, and I wanted to do that with therapy. Like I wanted to pursue like a field in therapy. I specifically wanted to do um, like marriage counseling. Um, and so... I mean, I applied to a couple places and I I did get in into the, the places that I applied to and everything, but I wanted to have a little bit of a break um, in between. Like I didn't want to go straight from undergrad to getting a master's degree. So I was like, okay, well, maybe I'm just going to do like a semester off and then I'll, you know, go back in the fall, which is technically two semesters since you can like spring and summer. Anyways, <laughs> so um so yeah, so I wanted to work, um, and I actually ended up working also at Child Guidance and Family Solutions um, by just kind of like it, it. It was unrelated um, for for me, um, and I guess maybe I should go back to 
the practicum that I did because I don't know why they took us to child guidance and family solutions to like do something with them or just to know about them or something. I don't remember what the scenario was that we ended up there. Um, but I did make, I remember a connection at child guidance with a woman that worked there as a case manager. Um, and so she kind of like told me about, there was a position that was open. And so she's like, Oh, you should apply blah, blah, blah. And, you know, like, I think, you know, you'd be like, good for it. They were also looking for someone that spoke yeah. Spanish. <laughs> and so, I mean, everything sort of like lined up together. And I was like, Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll go ahead and, and apply to that. And so, yeah, I was actually, um, I got the job. And so I was with them doing case management um, for I want to say about six months and then I transitioned to another position within child guidance as well. And I was doing um, admissions um, instead of um, case management. Um, and I really, I, I, I enjoyed admissions um, quite a bit, but I think that had a lot to do with like, I just had a really good team of people that I was working with. Um, and I also wasn't <laughs> going, um, you know, kind of like from place to place. I was just kind of like staying in the same area too, which I enjoyed. Um, I mean, I, I liked the case management position, but it was just, it just felt like yeah. you were doing a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. You go from like one place to another, like seeing different people and just kind of having to do, um, what's it called? The like hours, the production. Yes. Yeah. So, like having, having to do productive, uh, yeah, productivity, uh, you know, having those hours in and everything. I mean, it was kind of, it was, it was very stressful. Um, and so I was just like, oh, yeah, I don't know that I want to be doing this, um, you know, for two, two months longer. So, yeah, that, that I imagine that that would be stressful. So you move over to admissions and then you're just basically, I guess, checking people in in the office when they do show up. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, basically, you know, if people wanted um, services, you know, we were talking with them, you know, to make that initial assessment of like, okay, so what are your needs? So these are the counselors that have expertise in doing, you know, anxiety or like depression or, you know, whatever. Um, so yeah, so that's what my role was in, in that. And it's just kind of like talking to the clients that were incoming and then assessing the need and also putting them with the appropriate person that would best fit what they were looking for. And also as far as ages as well of the, of the children, because um, you know, some counselors were like, okay, like I can see teens, but not like little children or like things like that. So it was just kind of like a <laughs> trying to figure out. Matchmaking. <laughs> Matchmaking, exactly. You know, what best for, for them. Um, and then we also got referrals from hospitals um, you know, I mean, some of the clients that we saw, you know, had been at the like at the hospitals. And so we had to, you know, get them in, you know, like as soon as possible with people and things like that. Um, we will also get referrals from um, an, like an, in, an institution that work with like international people, too. Again, I love working with <laughs> with them like they like by name and everything. So like that was kind of nice to to work with them. Um, and then, of course, and I was kind of like the designated person to for like people that were coming in, um, like Hispanic clients, you know, they would be like, okay, we'll go talk to Alex. So. Yeah, she gets a big advantage. Okay. And I mean, so you also have some similar experience too. Um, you stayed there two years. And then, but you mentioned at some point you knew you wanted to go back and get your master's. And so how do you decide this is the right time to do that? And when do you end up going back to get that? Okay, so as I was, you know, like as I, as I moved to admissions, I, that was kind of like the point where I was just like, okay, I don't think I actually want to do counseling anymore. So, you know, I like withdrew my my application from the school that I was going to go into to get um, that master's degree. And I was for the, the two, like a year and I don't know, nine months <laughs> or something like that. I was like, I don't actually know what I want to do. But I mean, so I, I just stayed there and just kind of, you know, was trying to figure out what to actually end up pursuing. Um, but while I was there, um, one of the people that was, um, I, I forget, I think they were, they were also kind of like a, a clerk of sorts, or like they had a secretary position um, in the in the office that I was working with, um, because there were, there were several offices. So like Ted and I weren't working in the same office, like he was working in another office, and I was working in like the central office. Um, but the person that was there, uh, he was going to get his degree, like his master's degree in higher ed. And 
So it, it just kind of went full circle because, I mean, again, so we were both RAs, right, at, like at, at Kent. Um, and, but I, I just had no idea that, you know, like being an RA was just kind of this part of being like more focused into that higher ed field. And so I really don't know what I, what I thought. Like, I mean, I thought that honestly, like people that were doing higher ed work were going there to literally just be, um, residence hall directors like that was my impression of what the higher ed field was like I had no idea that you could do other stuff <laughs> and so that's why it was just like never like yeah no I don't want to pursue higher ed or anything like that but then I met um Derek who's the person that was working at uh, child guidance and he explained everything to me like he was just like no no, no like hi this is all the things that you can do with higher ed and you know, like, I mean, right now, like, I think he, he is in a position right now, he's like the director of, I forget which student activity of sorts. And so, um, you know, I spoke with, with him a lot more about what the program was or what, what he was going into. And so it just finally all clicked together. And I was like, oh, that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. So you, you meet this coworker through your current job. And just by, again, talking, even networking internally, um, you- yes learn about this program. And you are right. Higher ed, I mean, the degree is a bit obscure if you're not in it. I mean, it is one of those things that we're, you kind of wonder, I don't know what it's really about. But yeah, by talking to to this coworker, you're able to learn more about the field and it just clicks in terms of something that's interest, interesting you. Um, so that's really cool. So you decide to go ahead and apply um, mm-hmm. and you get into the program. Did you only apply to that one particular program at Kent? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, what I ended up actually doing, um, I did work um, outside of child guidance um, for, again, it was just like a, a short period of time, um, like as I was kind of like applying and everything for, for, for that like short period of time, like I knew it wasn't going to be like a long term kind of thing. And so that's why it was just like, okay, I'm going to be doing this for this amount of time. Um, but I do, you know, I was just planning on going to school basically like full time um, at that point. And so you were able to go ahead and go to school full time or did you end up still keeping that other job for a little while? Yeah, so I was going to school um, full time at that point, but I got a graduate assistantship, uh, which kind of helped uh, with that because that was one of the things, again, just kind of keeping that of like, okay, I need to, like, I want to get experience and just kind of be involved in everything. What I liked about the program at Kent was that in order to basically be part of the program, you have to have a GA. Like, you wow. will not get admitted if you are not in. So they like, want you, you to be full-time, and so they give you this uh, this um, support. That's really pretty yeah. cool, actually, because it can be rare to find GA positions at and master's programs. So that's actually pretty neat, even though, yeah, you have to be dedicated to focusing primarily on that program. Um, yeah. And so yeah. what was your experience in the program like? Um, I mean, I really had a really good experience, honestly. Again, I, I did like, I mean, that was one of the reasons why I pursued the program with Kent. Um, I mean, it was, I mean, I had already been to Kent as an undergrad, but I mean, it was just kind of nice to see that, oh, okay, so they are offering this sort of um, you know, ability to to be able to be part of the program and then also gain experience working in the field as you are, you know, going through the two years. Um, so that was super neat. Um, and then on top of having the GA, the program also requires you to have a minimum of two internships also, you know, within the the, the field and everything. And so that I mean, that was just super helpful to just kind of finding what I wanted to do. Like, I mean, I, I knew that going in, um, I mean, I, I was seeking out the international education um, certificate as I was, you know, pursuing because I, I still wanted to work with international students. Um, and I still that's something that I, I feel like I'm going to try to still pursue in some way or another, um, because that's kind of like the, the population that it's like, yes, <laughs> like they, they are my, my, my niche and who I want to to be working with. But um, I don't know, like, I mean, I had a really excellent experience. I mean, I ended up having, I think, a total of three internships with the program, um, just the way that I was able to scatter them out. Um, and, and what were those internships? Were they, like, what was the nature of the, of the three different internships? Yeah, so the internships that I did, um, one of them was in another institution. Um, so it was with Mount Union, 
um, or the University of Mount Union, which is also um, in Ohio here, like in Northeast Ohio. Um, and I was doing career, um, like the career advising, like career counseling, I guess, with with them. That was the the position that I was with, um, and it was with a private institution, so that was super different than working with Kent because you know Kent is um, a public institution, and so very different kind of feel and everything. So that was really neat to just kind of that experience with the different types of institution. And then during the summer, um, I was doing um, academic advising actually with um, the College of the Arts. Um, so that's kind of what drew me in. And I was like, yep, I think this is what I want to do for sure. Like, I mean, I loved it. I was so like into it and it was so nice to, you know, again, the the team was super supportive and this happened all during the pandemic, of course. And so that was a whole like different experience as to how it would have you know, normally happened, but I mean, it was still really, really good. Um, and then the other internship, uh, what did I do? It was my, my last internship. <laughs> um, but you also were doing something with Office of Diversity Outreach and Development and then international admissions was- Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah, so that's what it was. So my GA was with, um, with DOD, mm -hmm. um, so the diversity outreach and development, that was my GA um, and what I was doing basically the, the full entire two years that I was in my program. Mm -hmm. um, and then international admissions, I can't remember, <laughs> I can't believe that just like skipped my brain. Because um, it's the weekend and we're all tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so that was what I did as my third internship. Um, mm -hmm. And that was during the fall. Also, everything was remote um, okay. again. Like, I mean, I, I really only did about, I don't know, probably like a third of my program in person. And then everything else just kind of switched to being remote. And That's so, so challenging. That's so challenging. <laughs> but it it's was still amazing that you managed to, it's amazing, I think, that they required two internships. And it's amazing that you were able to get three with two of them during a pandemic. That, yeah, it's yeah, pretty incredible. <laughs> I feel like yeah. you get some sort of special award for that. I don't know. Um, so that that's great. Could you tell me a little bit about the international education certificate? Yeah. So with that, um, I basically, you know, took a lot of coursework related to internationalization, but I guess specifically within higher ed. And so, you know, I had a, a really wonderful professor, Dr. Merrill, who's all into that. I mean, she's kind of pioneered, I think, a lot of um, the work that's really been done, um, like outside of the US and even within US institutions. And so I don't know, I just learned a lot from her, as far as what other institutions are doing to sort of international internationalize themselves, um, you know, just being more open to students that are coming in, and what sort of, you know, changes really kind of need to happen within higher ed in order to, you know, be able to again, just, just help out, you know, the students that are, you know, some, sometimes a lot of schools are just like, yeah, you know, we're bringing all this, like it's students, but like, we don't have the right supports for them or anything like that. And especially, you know, when you are in a situation like what we were, well, still sort of are, <laughs> um, you know, with, with a pandemic. And sometimes when you have, you know, your political like situations in the country, you know, that is saying like, oh yeah, please come here and like, you know, study for us. But, you know, a lot of the political situation is just kind of not like that and not friendly towards people that are uh, from outside the country. And so that is um, kind of like looking at that lens and just, you know, how to make those changes um, in a manner that, you know, they'll be able to help our international students um, achieve their goals and just kind of, you know, um, be successful, basically. Yeah, so student success specifically for international students it is with a specific focus yeah. or emphasis on yeah international exactly students. okay okay so um I'm going to shift over to Ted for a little bit so Ted like when um did you decide like you're going to make the kind of shift out of your current role you know so you're working in medical records um and then you decide yeah, it's fine it seems like you enjoyed it fine <laughs> but but what kind of led you to make a shift. Right. So <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it's well, I, I, I do. It's kind of like all jumbled up there. So let's see. <laughs> so you know, basically what happened was 
I graduated from college and then I was working as a medical records clerk and I just transitioned into full time in that position. Um, we both applied to go into school and were accepted. So I was going to go into the, like the clinical mental health program and Alex backed out and then I was like, oh no. <laughs> so I backed out too. Um, but like, I think a lot of it had to do with, for me, because my reasons I, I think were different. I was more concerned about like my financial state because I had acquired a lot of loans in my undergrad and I couldn't get any sort of scholarships or GAs or anything like that for the master's program I was going into. So like I was worried about having like an overwhelming amount of debt. I think more than just like, it's not that I didn't want to do counseling anymore. I, I just, I was afraid of being straddled with a lot of debt. And I learned more about like, you know, how much counselors might make it, And it's really not it for how much I would have in debt. It wasn't going to be good enough. Um, so I, I, my original thought was like, all right, we'll, we'll take a break. I'll try to get some money, pay off some of my loans and then maybe go back in or maybe do something else. So it's working in medical records for a while. And then to try to diversify what I was doing, I transitioned in the same company to a billing specialist role. Um, which is basically like handling insurance claims and things like that um, because I wanted to get more into like detail oriented work because uh, I thought it would look good on my resume. Um, and that was fine. It definitely wasn't what I wanted to do for a long time. And then I started applying to other jobs kind of all over the place, a whole bunch of different things, kind of whatever I could and ended up having a recruiter reach out to me for what I'm doing now, which is anti-money laundering compliance. Um, so very, very different from what I had been doing. Um, but I think with that particular opportunity, they reached out to me because I had just a bachelor's in general. They weren't looking for anything specific. And because I had some detail-oriented work under my belt. So I applied to that position, took the interview, and I'm like, ah, there's no way I'm going to get this job. It's like, it's way different than what I have, like, you know, a skill set in from like college and stuff, but they ended up hiring me. Um, so I've been doing that and it's, it's been interesting. It, it's obviously very different from what I was doing, um, but it's rewarding work in its own way. Um, and it, I'm, I'm definitely content with it now. Do I want to like keep doing anti-money laundering clients? Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll see, but I don't know where I want to go right now, but um. I've got, yeah, I've got to hear more about this. I mean, that's so interesting. I, first of all, I love hearing about all different types of jobs because I tell my students all the time, most mm -hmm. people are employed in jobs that you've never heard of. Like you grew up hearing about like right. five different jobs in the vast majority of the world. They're doing things that we haven't heard of. So, but I have to hear like, so what is your day to day? Like, like what is the scope of the typical scope of the job? Like what is your role involved? I'm so curious about this. Right. So um, also, I'm going to start abbreviating stuff. So anti-money laundering compliance is commonly referred to as AML. So I'll probably start doing that just to make things a bit easier because anti-money laundering compliance is a mouthful. Um, but yeah, so basically in an AML role, what you do is you monitor transactions for suspicious activity. Um, so basically it's a lot of spreadsheets looking at data and saying like, you know, is this out of pattern for what I would expect? Um, and the company I work for, or it's um, AML Right Source is the name of the company. And basically how they operate is we provide AML services to other companies. So we contract out to various like banks, fintech companies, things like that. And then we do work for them. Um, so in my day, a lot of what I deal with is so like things will get alerted as potentially suspicious due to like um, an algorithm they have in place. And I'll look at it and see like, you know, is this suspicious? Is this like money laundering? Is this fraudulent activity? Um, and a lot of times it's actually quite obvious. People don't always try to hide their tracks as much as you might think. Um, and then if I determine like, okay, yeah, like this is like, they're clearly doing something fraudulent here. Or they're clearly doing money laundering. What I'll do is I'll write a report on that activity, basically summarizing, you know, what I saw, the transactions, the dates that were involved you know, why I think it's suspicious. And then that report goes to FinCEN, which is our, it's like, it's like 
the country's like anti-money laundering financial department where they, they like get a whole ton of reports on like potential money laundering and they and they look at them and they keep like records on them. Um, so I don't actually get to see like the end result. It's not as if I'm like writing a report on someone and then like I see like, ah, yes, they got they got in jail for that thing they did or whatever. But um, essentially the government can use it and law enforcement utilizes it to, you know, help catch criminals. And I think one of the more interesting aspects of AML work is you get to work on some like stuff where maybe you didn't think it was like all that high risk, but it could be. Um, so there are stuff you do for like potential terrorist financing to help prevent that. Um, and a lot of times something that looks weird, you might just report it as like, hey, this is like unusual. And law enforcement might have like a a whole profile on this person. It might be like the last piece they needed to like piece something together of like, hey, they're actually trying to do something bad here. Um, and I think like the other thing that I, I like is we, we also do reports on like potential human trafficking. And the cool thing about reports on human trafficking is it can really bolster a case to help people out of those situations. So one of the big issues when you're trying to like convict someone of human trafficking is there often isn't a ton of substantial evidence and it becomes this like he said she said sort of situation but with these reports what you can show is like hey like this person is being trafficked like they're bringing in all this money and they're like funneling it all of like this one person but then they're only like buying like really cheap food they're staying at like way too many hotels all over the place and like that sort of record creates a story that they can use in courts to hopefully you know, convict the traffickers, get them in jail and like find help for the victims. Um, so, you know, back to kind of what I did originally, I feel like at least what I'm doing, while I might not see the direct, you know, effects of the reports I'm putting in, like maybe I am helping people, you know, maybe I thought, thought like this is unusual. And what it led to is like finding out someone that was like, you know, doing something terrible and now maybe they're help. Um, yeah. No, it's, it's a lot. There's a lot to it. That's fascinating. And like, yeah, no, you, to solve really huge problems, like you have to have really big teams and everybody doing their part to work together. And right. in the end, even if you're not the one directly working with the person, like you're still protecting society and protecting mm -hmm. individuals. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that's definitely helping people. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. really, really fascinating. Um, and I'm also curious because you didn't have a minor before. I think a lot of times students and even people wanted to change careers. I think that they get become intimidated because they feel like, well, I don't have the degree in this. I, I, you know, I would think a lot of people would think that you have to have like a business degree or a finance degree or something. I know that you were able to obtain some experience when you were working in that billing department mm -hmm. um, that was a little bit related, but can you tell me a little bit about how you learned how to do the role because it didn't sound like you had extensive training in data analytics before. Right. Yeah. So as far as like the billing specialist job, I, I don't think that was like terribly involved. Um, and like you can get those jobs without degrees. Um, but as for like the AML job I do, like they do typically require you to have a bachelor's. Mm -hmm. As far as like being concerned about like, you know, my education doesn't really fit what I'm doing. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to like a apply for the job in the first place or b do the job if i get it maybe don't stress that as much <laughs> just because like a lot of times and, and it can make things difficult obviously if you don't have like a related degree but a lot of times companies are just looking for people that are like have an education and have proved that like you know they can handle themselves and learn and adapt um and as far as like once you get the job you know pretty much any job you have will start the same way right you get in, they show you around, they train you how to do the job. So like, as long as you're like willing to learn something new and like keep like an open mind and are okay with like adapting, I, you can probably do a lot more than you think. And, and I mean, I know I was incredibly nervous when I was like walking into the job for the first day. I'm like, I know nothing about anti-money laundering. I didn't even know it was a thing, All right? Like they reached out to me like, hey, anti-money laundering compliance. And I'm like, what's that? <laughs> so I did some research and learned about like, you know, the uh, um, Patriot Act and, and like BSA regulations and stuff like this that I'd never even heard of before. And I'm like, oh, okay. So there's like a whole system in place for this sort of stuff. But 
yeah, I mean, like starting the job, it's like anything else and you, you just learn and you pick it up and like, you know, maybe you'll like it. Like, I didn't think I was going to enjoy AML much at all, um, but like, I, I do enjoy it. It's not like my favorite thing in the world, but like, as far as job goes, it's decent. Um, and like, yeah, I mean, just because you don't have like a background in something doesn't mean you can't do it. And it doesn't mean you can't do it well. Um, I do take a lot of pride in my work and think I do a good job um, and recognized by my company. So like, you know, just because you don't have like a background in something <laughs> doesn't mean you can't do it. I'm so glad to hear you say that. I've roped my husband into some <laughs> some research project where we like analyze like job announcements. And you're right. They almost never say that um, this specific degree is required. Now, if it's a, if, it, if they're saying clients or something like that, sure, certain licenses are required. Um, but like, especially like you said, for bachelor's level jobs, they might have a couple of recommended <laughs> But they are usually very open, much more open than students think. And I think students get frustrated when they say, well, this job doesn't, doesn't say they want HDFS. And usually, as you said, people are just looking for bachelors. Um, mm-hmm. I also, this, it's not just HDFS either. I know that many, many, many psychology majors also and other types of fields, you know, they work quote unquote outside of the field. I'm not crazy about that term because I think that you use the knowledge you acquire. As you point out, you learn how to learn. Right. That's what they want to see, that you know how to learn. So you use that everywhere. Um, and so many people are doing such a broad array of things. Um, and so I think that that's great advice from you. And I think sometimes people hear it better coming from like an individual who has lived it. And like, you know, you have been one of these people, you, you took a chance, went into the interview, showed up on the first day, and, mm-hmm. and it's worked out great, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, I think honestly what I mean at least in like Ted's case really like having that I mean because the reason they someone contacted him was because he had you know a LinkedIn account mm-hmm. um yeah that's how they saw his information and everything and so they were like oh okay like, this person seems capable <laughs> so, yeah um you know and I think that that's like super cool I like I don't like I haven't had that experience personally but like I mean I'm just glad that it worked for him and you know that he's kind of doing something that he enjoys I think for the most part and everything and so I think it also speaks to just kind of staying open to a variety of opportunities you know sometimes you know we can get really just so laser focused on one thing that we kind of are blind to other opportunities that might be there that might also be really good options you know um yeah. so that's really very very cool um one other thing I, I was wondering really quickly before we shift back is so you mentioned that you did a little quick research on like the Patriot Act and things like that. So did you do that research and prep for the interview so that you at least had some baseline? Yeah, so I did a, a good amount of prep work for the interview because I just didn't know a whole lot about like the field. And I think with AML specifically, I, I don't think a lot of people do know a lot about it. You get a lot of people from different professions in it. Um, so I think as far as the interview went, basically I looked at like the resume or not the resume. I looked at the job application, saw like, you know, the things on there. I was like, okay, well, I should at least know what these things are. Yes. <laughs> I looked at their website, you know, to see what they were about. Did a bit of research on just AML in general um, and, and used that knowledge in my interview. As far as how that went, um, yeah, I mean, it was pretty much just an interview like you would expect. As far as um, coming from a different field and how the interview went, it, it didn't affect it a whole lot. I think it helped me because I was able to talk about some of the AML stuff. I, I do recall that they were like a little impressed that I knew what the US Patriot Act was and things like that. But um, but yeah, I, there was a question that was asked at some point in time in the interview, which is pretty standard of like, you know, what is your background in? You know, where did you go to college and how will this help you with your job? And like when that question came up, I'm like, honestly, like it doesn't have anything to do with anti-money laundering. And then I went on, though, to say that, like, but, you know, I think that just having a bachelor's and getting through the degree really let me grow as a professional, taught me how to stay on my toes, how to learn, how to pick up something new and like how to, you know, write. Um, because I, I knew for like the job, there was like a lot of writing involved. I'm like, I can write a really comprehensive narrative. Um, so it's like, there's always something I think that you can point out that would help you in a job from 
even something that might not seem relatable. I, I think I also went on like, you know, like I, I know like the psychology of people. So like I might know what looks normal in spending activity, what, what would be normal for people to do and things like that. And honestly, it, it did help a bit, you know, kind of understanding how people operate on a psychological level, even though you're just looking at transactions, it's like, well, does this make sense? Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's always something. There's always something you can point out as far as like your education and how that helped you, even if it's very general. Um, I think that you'll be able to come up with a response for things like that. And in the end, an interview is an interview. If you can make a good impression and, you know, make yourself seem professional, like that's kind of what you're going for, right? Yeah. I mean, and again, I just want to echo your other earlier point um, that, yeah, with a four-year degree, we expect people to be flexible learners. That's just what we, that's the point of the four-year degree. Um, And so pointing that, and then also I call it like connecting the dots when you like help draw the connection. Like even even if the connection's not obvious, you're right. I believe there's always a connection. And so you just help draw that connection Mm -hmm. even if it is a more general connection. So I think that that's um, great advice and thank you for sharing that. I think it's gonna be really encouraging to people you know, who might find themselves, you know, considering something that's quote unquote outside of the field, but they're a little intimidated. Mm -hmm. So shifting back to you, Alex, tell me how you, how you wound up in your current role and like what your day-to-day looks like. We've heard what Ted's day-to-day look, looks like. Um, It's fascinating, but tell me about your day-to-day now. (laughs) Yeah. Oh gosh. Like, I feel like if my day-to-day is not that interesting. um, (laughs) I'm Um, sure it is. The thing is, um, well, I mean, the, the the way that I ended up in my role, um, I mean, it is it was really kind of all came together because of the internships that I did while I was doing my uh, master's degree. I mean, like I said, I, I was doing advising at some point and I just kind of fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, but I, like I, I kind of already knew that that was kind of the trajectory that I was seeing myself with. I just needed to, like, get a feel for it and everything. And I did the internship and I was like, yep this is, this is, this is good. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I don't, I, I, I felt, um, you know, so like really good kind of helping these students kind of, you know, coming on board, uh, you know, giving all the resources that they needed and everything. So, I mean, it is still, it was, I think it's still sort of very related to what I originally wanted to do as far as, you know, the counseling and like therapy and everything. It's just a different sort of shift, but I mean, it is still like connecting with people. I mean, and you know, when you see like these little freshmen come in and it's just like, ah, <laughs> like, I love it, you know, how they like how like positive they are and just kind of like how like, you know, full of just kind of like energy and like really dreams. I don't know, like these, these like Sumers, I like to call them Sumers. <laughs> so they, mm-hmm. they, they, they're so, I, th- I think, inspiring really like this kind of like new generation that is coming through. Um, I really love talking with them and so it's it's been it's been really good. Um, so as far as my day to day, as I'm literally just starting the job, like I mean, I got hired in May, so I I've been working for like a month and a half gotcha. <laughs> during the um, pandemic. So I, yeah, yeah, exactly. I I mean, I'm not even still like I mean, I I haven't gone to the office yet. Um, I know that we're scheduled to go back in August so um kind of looking forward to that yeah but <laughs> I don't know um I I um you know I I am kind of excited um to just kind of see everyone and and be there but I mean so far really the you know I've been kind of again onboarding the students like the new freshmen that are coming in just kind of introducing them to CCI I mean which is the college that I'm working with right now so College of Information um and uh, yeah I I don't know like that's that's been kind of like what's been happening so far and I've been working on some projects kind of like here and there um that my colleagues you know sort of like give me and that's kind of what I've been doing so I know that that's going to be looking a little bit different as the you know kind of the year goes through um you know I'm going to be meeting with all the students from um all 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 years um except not not graduates like just undergrad students um and so yeah I mean that's kind of what it's that's going to be like um with I, I definitely the, agree like I can totally see the connection between your initial goals you know yeah. <laughs> because you're working one-on-one with people or you know one-on-one with people to kind of help them to reach their goals 
I mean, yes. so that you definitely see the parallel um, between yeah. counseling. It's, it, and so um, it totally makes sense. Um, I did not realize at, at first glance until you re-brought it up that, um, yeah, that you basically applied for this job and acquired it during the pandemic. <laughs> um, so like, yeah. what was that process like? Oh, well, um, yeah, that it was, uh, it was interesting, I think. Um, I mean, I was sort of applying to um, I mean, I knew that I kind of wanted to stay at least for now um, in this area and everything. I mean, we're kind of established right now um, here, but I mean, I think we're kind of open to sort of new possibilities, but at least for now um, with the way that, um, like, I guess just kind of things were set up and everything. And because it was in the middle of a pandemic, I was, I guess, a little bit um, nervous about I don't know, just kind of venturing maybe like too, too far or something like yeah. that, just kind of like not really knowing what really is going to happen. Um, and so, I, I mean, I started applying in January um, to the positions and everything. Um, and a lot of them were in, in like Kent State because a lot of openings just kind of started to come up again, again, because a lot of higher ed institutions were not like they were all pretty much having like hiring freezes, like they were not hiring anyone, you know, like staff, faculty, it was just like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> so I was a little bit nervous too. I was like, oh my gosh, what if there's no jobs out there for me and everything? And so, but thankfully, I don't know, everything again sort of seemed to lined up okay. Um, and again, I was just kind of able to make um you know like just able able to apply and everything um I guess the interviews itself um they were a little different just because I didn't know what interviewing really for higher ed was going to be like and I don't know if this is the experience that everyone has but at least for my interviews um they were long they were long interviews um and I mean I, I think uh with the position that I have now I think it was like a total of maybe like three hour interview that I had, um, you know, I just kind of had to, you know, break it down and everything, but it was, it was long and it was, but, but uh, I don't know, like I had so much experience that I was just able to kind of like talk through it. Like I was, you know, like I, I was really passionate. I mean, I mean, I'm still so passionate about it, uh, about the work that I'm doing currently and everything. And so that I think really helped again, having, or being, having the ability to do like the internships and the having the GA and everything it really sort of helped so much and just having that experience and being able to talk about it and being like yep I actually know how to do this work and I'm very confident about it <laughs> right you can actually like tell some stories from when you were in the field that are related to questions that they ask or reflect back. yeah every question I was like yep I've done this I've done this I've done this um I, I have experience with it um and then of course I think they also like that I not only had experience with higher ed, but that I also was, again, working somewhere else for a while too. So that also was helpful because I was able to, I don't know, at some point they had a question that, I, I forget what, what it was, but I remember having a little bit of trouble answering it because it was just like, oh, this is not something that I did with like this particular, you know, in this, like in higher ed, but I did have experience with it in my other job. So I was able to like talk about that. Yes. Um, that end. And so they were like, oh, okay. So, I mean, I don't know, like, I remember just like seeing their expressions and be like, oh yeah, no, that's, that's totally valid. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that's, um, you know, that like, we're glad that you brought that up because I mean, that is different. Um, and so, yeah. It's, it it, it is was nice just, too when you have a different lens from, you know, from a different, a little bit of a different setting. Yes. Okay, so I think we've got a sense of like your day to day and congrats on the graduation and congrats on the new job right right around graduation. That's pretty awesome. Is there anything else that you all want to share or any advice that you have for students and new professionals? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I think I'd like to say just like, you know, be really open about like the things you might want to do um, just because like, you know, you think you're doing one thing that might not be your only path. Um, and I think another thing I, I kind of wish I did more of when I was in college is look at job applications, like for stuff that you would apply to after college. Cause I didn't really start looking at like the actual specific job applications until like I was like getting closer to graduation at which point, like 
you know, I couldn't do much about like bolstering my resume or things like that. So like, look at job applications for things that would interest you that you think you can do. See like, you know, what are they looking for? And then like, you know, while you're going through college, like maybe do some things that'll like help add to that. Um, I, I think that could go a long way. And yeah, I mean, just, you know, stay positive <laughs> and uh, go out there and, and, and do it. But yeah, HDFS is a really good time. Um, we, we, I, I would like to see more men in the field because I think it would be cool to have them there. Um, but otherwise, you know, just do what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think for me, it's, um, you know, like you met, like, I mean, um, you mentioned, I feel like, I mean, I, I, the reason I ended up where I was was because I was sort of like talking to other people and just kind of like, seeing what they were doing and everything, especially when I hit that wall of like, I really don't know what I want to do. Um, and, you know, but I, I, I do know that I want to, you know, just kind of keep pursuing my education and everything. Um, again, I, I didn't know that this is where I was going to end up. Um, and I don't know, I mean, I know that it is helpful to have, you know, like a five year plan or something like that. But I don't know, at some point, like anymore, when people ask me that, like, oh, what's your five year plan? I'm just like, I I don't know. I'm just kind of open to to a lot, I guess, at, at this point, because I I feel like I did have a five year plan at some point, And then it just looks so different and doesn't really look like anything that I would have thought. And so, I mean, kind of on the same like way that Ted said, it's just, you know, just kind of be open to, you know, change. Uh, uh, yeah, change and like other possibilities just because, you know, like, I mean, if you're going through something um, and like you really like are focused or like hyper focused on pursuing certain things, I feel like you miss out on a lot of, you know, other things that you could be doing. Absolutely. I'm loving this because um, Ted has just justified one of the major assignments in my careers in HDFS course where the students are always right like this took hours. <laughs> they have to do a job search simulation and so they have to actually return to me three different job announcements and there's like this whole thing they have to use to analyze it and answer questions about each one and and then think about if you are interested in this, what are some steps that you could take so thank you Ted for just justifying the hours long. Project and you, Alex, just justified what I always say. Like, yeah, if you're not sure what you want to do, just get out there, talk to people, like explore. You can only learn but so much. And you like actually it's, it's neat that you both pointed out those two things because I think that they both work in tandem. Like you do your own research, you do your due diligence, but then you also make connections with people. And I think that you try to do one on its own, it, it's not gonna work out as well. But if you're doing both of those, then and you're remaining open then um, it could really lead to some cool outcomes. I also think it's pretty neat that you all both started on with similar goals for counseling and you've taken it two different directions <laughs> where you're still making positive impacts on the world, which I think a lot of the students in our field, that's their ultimate goal is to make a positive impact. Thank you all so much. And I so appreciate your time on a weekend. I cannot thank you enough. Thank you. Thank you. you as well. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the HDFS Careers Podcast. If you have recommendations for HDFS or other family science alumni to interview, please reach out to me at hdfscareers.com. Don't worry if they are not working in a job that would normally be considered in the field. I'm interested in hearing a variety of stories, especially if they are working outside of academia. If you like this podcast and want other people to be able to find it, please rate it and review it in iTunes or share it on social media. Until next time, keep exploring your future possibilities.